Welcome to Life Hacks for Pastors, where we equip pastors with strategies and tools to navigate the personal and relational challenges of ministry life. During 2023, Dom Vickers and Tom Burks will be addressing the topic of resilience. Each month, they will help pastors explore how they can build resilience to continue to face the challenges of ministry life. Today, Don and Tom have a conversation with David Johnson, who is the Executive Director of the Arizona Mission Network of Southern Baptists, as they continue to talk about the need for resilience in pastors. So we want to welcome you to the second episode of Life Hacks for Pastors. My name is Don Vickers, and I'm the Association Mission Strategist for Yuma, Arizona. I'm Tom Burks. I'm the lead pastor at Stone Ridge Church in Yuma. And we have a guest today. We have... David Johnson, the executive director for Arizona Mission Network of Southern Baptists. He's uh, his title is a mouthful, but um, he is a wonderful friend. Yeah, to both so, of us. David, welcome to Life Hacks for Pastors. Thank you for having me today. It's good to be with you guys. So one one of the things that we want to try to do each week is to share a life hack, uh, something that maybe makes your day easier, something that you found uh, that might simplify your life, uh, could be something that helps you with ministry to be more effective. Do you have a, a life hack you could share with us today? I do. It's relatively simple, and probably it's, uh, it's not new to anyone, but um, in my car as I'm driving, I listen to a lot of Scripture. Uh, I've turned the radio off, um, even Christian music, and I I focus on Scripture as I'm driving. Um, there are times I also will use Audible uh, to listen to really good books on leadership or on uh, something spiritual or biblical, and uh, and I find it's an excellent way for me to expand what I read and also uh, have me have my thoughts kind of geared in the right direction. So that's a very simple thing, but um, I find myself talking to people a lot about. Oh yeah, I'm listening to a book about this, or uh, you know, I, I heard this uh, from a book that I'm I'm doing on Audible, and uh, I even <laughs> I had a missionary recently ask me, uh, "Do you work for Audible? You you seem to be selling Audible." <laughs> so uh, that's my life hack. It helps me on my time management and helps me to um, uh, read scripture and uh, stay up on on other reading as well. Well, that's great. That's David's great. far more spiritual than I am. I. I do listen to audiobooks. See, I'm dating myself to Audible, <laughs> not right. audiobooks. Yeah. Books on tape. Books on tape. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, particularly on long drives to keep me awake, but it's always just fluff novels that I listen to because that's what'll keep me awake. <laughs> so you can be more like David. I should be more like David. That's my aim. First, I want to be more like David. Then after that, I'll be more like Jesus. There you go. I just, I'm just running behind all the time on my reading. So <laughs> I can't tell you how many books I've bought in print. And then I realize I don't have time to read this and I'll buy it on Audible. It's really poor stewardship on my part. So. <laughs> you buy the book twice. Yeah, I do. <laughs> the author should thank me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, so if, if you'd you... like to thank David, you could email us at lifehacksforpastors at, at gmail.com gmail and Send a little appreciation to David. We'd appreciate that. Yeah. And if you have a life hack that you have found helpful, uh, we want you to send that in to us. And David, we're going to be creating some kind of wonderful swag. Life hacks for pastors swag. Yes. That's right. That we could send some people that are actually sending us their life hacks. So We should probably send that to our guests, too. We should. Yeah. We'll work on that. We'll All have right. a guest swag. Yeah. That would um, be awesome. I'll wear it. 
All right. Well, you said it. Will, now, now it needs then to we be need wearable. A, then we need a picture of it, right? Uh, I'll ride for the brand. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, that's great. Uh, tell us something about yourself, the role that you fill um, in working with pastors across Arizona. Well, I, I jokingly tell people I'm the chief cat herder of Arizona because nope. you can't herd cats. And um, and Arizona Southern Baptist Churches, you you have to lead them. You can't direct them. So um, it, although my title is executive director, I serve as the leader of our network. Uh, and we have a mission network. We join together for the purpose of mission and ministry. And uh, we believe it's more effective if we do things together. And uh, we find most of our value within the network. Uh, that is uh, leveraging the strengths of churches that are doing things well. So I appreciate churches like Stone Ridge and uh, the churches in Yuma Association. They have led the way in many areas, and uh, then other churches benefit from that. So uh, in many ways, my role is to connect strengths within our network to areas that need that kind of help. Yeah. And uh, it's it's very helpful to me to be able to do that. And um, so that puts relationship as at a premium. And... Um, and that means uh, we want to connect people together. So that's that's my role, kind of in a nutshell. My official uh, responsibilities are to make sure that we are raising funds for missions through the cooperative program. And we believe in that. We believe in uh, serving and supporting our missionaries around the world and, and, of course, right here in Arizona as well. Yeah. Well, not only do you have the opportunity to work with pastors uh, throughout our state, you served as a pastor, and you know firsthand some of the challenges that they're facing, right? I do, and I did, and um, and that that experience um, really is is just been formative for me, and also helpful as I connect with pastors. But um, you know, when I first took this role, someone asked me, "What is your leadership style?" And I told them, "I'm a pastor. I will always be a pastor. I relate to people as a pastor. I lead like a pastor, and um, it's one of the things that you just don't stop doing. I don't think it's really a, a job." Uh, it's not even a role; it's a calling, mm-hmm. and um, and I think once you uh, are in that mode of thinking, I think it's hard to break out of that, and that's a good thing. So, David, has one of the books you've listened to been "Canoeing the Mountains"? Yes, I, I listened to "Canoeing the Mountains" and "Tempered Resilience." By what, the way, which <laughs> one did you like better? Uh, "Canoeing the Mountains," but that was primarily ah, because sorry. my uh, our experience with that book was during 2020 during COVID. Yeah, uh, it was highly recommended to to me, um, and uh, and when I read it, it just everything about it re- resonated with me, especially because of what we were experiencing with COVID in 2020. Yeah. So during the year, we're going to be uh, addressing this topic of resilience. And last week, Tom and I. Uh, talked a little bit about Todd Todd Balsinger's book, Tempered Resilience. And in it, he writes, uh, resilience for faith leaders is the ability to wisely persevere towards the mission God has put before them amid both external challenges and internal resistance of the leader's followers. Do you you like that definition, something you might add to it um, and to the idea of being resilient? I, I really do like that. I would add, I think, uh, a couple of things. One, kind of coming out of canoeing the mountains, that idea of pressing through uh, when things don't go the way that you might expect. Uh, and of course, he uses that whole journey motif of Lewis and Clark uh, and their uh, you know stretch to try to find a, 
uh, a, a river pathway across the U.S. And of course, that didn't exist. And they hit the Rocky Mountains and didn't know what to do. And and they had to uh, find another way. Hmm. And so I think part of that resilience is you, you've got to keep pressing on uh, when things don't turn out the way that you expect them to. Uh, and of course, in tempered resilience, he talks about the number of factors that can happen that uh, get in the way or or in some ways sabotage uh, the ability to reach that that goal or that mission that you have. Uh, so I, I think I would add that. And um, one other issue I think that uh, is is in the background of that. It's not necessarily left out. Is it's just the whole idea of abiding in Christ. Mm. I think it's so important for us to never forget that our primary responsibility is to abide in Christ, even as we encounter resistance. And that, to me, is a key to resilience. It's just abiding in Christ constantly. Yeah. So as you interact with pastors, what are the challenges that you see them dealing, like the the, the big primary challenges you see pastors dealing with right now in this season of ministry? Um, I think one of the biggest challenges, and you know, a lot of this kind of came to the forefront in COVID. It wasn't necessarily COVID that did it, but um, is this the amount of disagreement and division within a congregation? Mm. Uh, you know, and, and during COVID, pastors had to deal with, were they going to require masks? Were they not going to require masks? Were they going to meet in person? Were they not going to meet in person? And if you required masks, then you were uh, in some way compromising with the world. And if you didn't require masks, then you were uh, not caring about people. And um, and it just seemed like there's a divisiveness in our culture today that's so prominent. And, it, and it's in the church. And it's, um, it's expressed sometimes with political opinions. Um, and uh, sometimes it's expressed in terms of how you accomplish mission. Uh, so I think that's very discouraging to pastors. I think it's difficult for them to overcome that. I remember you know, a lot of discussions around the mask, no mask, meet, no meet, um, and and pastors weren't right. I mean, there there was no way for them to be right because somebody in their church was against the decision they made. Exactly. Yeah. It, was a, it was a no-win kind of situation. Yeah, not uh, just I disagree with you, but you are you're violating your faith because of yeah. in on either side of the equation right you'd, you'd get it no matter what right. somebody was going to say that about you and that put i think that puts pastors in a very difficult spot but it also i think highlighted an uh, uh, uh again a need or a hole that exists between the pastors and the their congregations when you think about how um you just expand that out to issues non-COVID related, but might be political related. They might be culturally related. They might be, you know, uh, racial reconciliation related. They, there's a number of those kind of issues now that, you know, if you take a stand on an issue, then you have somehow compromised or you've, um, you know, you've you've caved to political pressure or whatever. Right. And I think that's very discouraging for a pastor. That's why I think the whole idea of resilience is important. But within that idea of resilience and that definition that Bolsinger gave was to stay focused on the mission, mm-hmm. stay focused on the mission. And I, I think that's a key for us, even as a network, but certainly as, as uh, pastors and churches, to stay focused on the mission and the vision that God has given your church to accomplish that mission um, really helps the the rest of those things kind of fade into the background and not be quite as prominent. You'll never get rid of them, but they won't be quite as prominent if you're still focused, you remain focused on the mission. Yeah. 
So one of the things that we continue to see being brought up is the idea of, of great resignation, um, hmm. where pastors are, again, discouraged. They're thinking about quitting. Uh, Barna Research shared that last September, 39% of pastors had given serious consideration to quitting during the previous 12 months. Have you, have you had conversations with pastors, even across Arizona, that have uh, worked through or are working through that type of struggle? Yes, and I, I think, you know, we for a long time we saw, you know, a real emphasis on pastors staying in a place for a long period of time and uh, because we had had a history of short tenure. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm seeing now that pastors are moving um, more frequently, and I think that's because of either discouragement where they are or, you know, they've run into some of these issues, and so they're just going to leave and go to another place. Um, which, you know, doesn't mean you'll get rid of those issues. It just means you won't be facing it with the same people. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So one of, one of the things that Bolsinger writes um, is the, this idea of tempering a leader. He says it's a process of reflection, relationships, and practices um, during leading. So it's, it's, you, don't, you don't get away to become um, tempered. It's in the process of actually leading. It's the process of actually mm -hmm. facing those challenges. He says when you continue leading when the resistance is highest, and he says it includes self-reflection, uh, safety of relationships, spiritual practices, leadership skills, and that rhythm of work and rest. So maybe, David, some things that might be helpful is you being able to share some of the things that have helped you uh, to remain resilient as you were a pastor. Well, one, one comment I'll make on what uh, he just said was, I think when we uh, resign or leave or or give up, we actually short circuit that process of tempering that yes. God is trying to accomplish in our lives. Um, and as uh, my friend Jeff Ward says, what a pastor should not say, he shouldn't say, is God finished with me here? But the question is, is God finished teaching me here what I needed to learn? Wow. And that flips the question. Um, because a lot of pastors say, well, I've done, I've done everything here I can possibly do. It's time for me to move on. Yeah. It's not the question. The question is, has God done everything in your life that needs to be accomplished uh, in this place in that time? Right. Um, but I, I found as a, as a pastor, uh, the idea of Sabbath was extremely important to me. That is having a day that is set aside for non-ministry related activity. It could be family. It could be personal um, it it could be a, a hobby, but it's something that is non-ministry related. And for me, I called it my mental health day, but it's just that the biblical practice of Sabbath. Uh, and for me, I practiced that on Fridays. And uh, I, you know, I told my people on Friday, uh, you know, I'm not going to be available. You know, if, if it's a life and death matter, surely I'm, I'm going to be there because I'm your pastor. But but for the most part, people understand that and they honor that because they understand that, you know, these issues, they can talk to you another day. It can wait, um, you know, unless it really is a life and death matter. But uh, Sabbath has been important to me. We have a, a clock in our house, which is a, a wind up counter counterweight balance clock. Um, and it's a, a seven day clock. If you don't wind it, the clock stops. And so every week, yeah. uh, it, one of my my regular rhythms is I wind the clock. So I call my Sabbath day my wind the clock day. Please tell fact, me you actually wind, wind the clock on your Sabbath. 
I actually wind the clock. <laughs> um, and, and so it keeps my time. And my wife noticed that if that clock stops, it's because I've been so busy, I forgot to wind it. Hmm. And so to me, the, the Sabbath is a is a, a winding your clock day. It's when you kind of set things back right. And by the way, you have to reset the clock. So that's good, too. <laughs> so, so David, how, how would you answer some guys who maybe feel guilty for trying to take a Sabbath, uh, guilty for shutting off their phone or disconnecting like that? What, what would you tell them? I had a student one time in a class that I was teaching that uh, when I talked about Sabbath, uh, he objected and he said, I believe God has called us to burn out for Christ. I want to give my life on the altar. My life is not my own. I've, I'm denying myself. And I said, well, with, with all due respect, and I, and I do respect it, you know, we are giving our lives for Christ. Uh, but the truth is, you're going to last longer if you will take time out and, uh, and have rest and Sabbath. And that way you'll have much many more years and much more energy to be able to give for the cause of Christ than if you burn out. And you'll do that in a, in a, a year or two or maybe less uh, if uh, if you just go 24 seven. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like uh, highlighting that Jesus had a regular habit of getting away and having his own times of reflection away from the crowds, even away times from his disciples. And I, my response to those kind of hard charging people is like, Hey, if it's good enough for Jesus, I think it's good enough for good enough yeah. for us to implement. Well, that's I, a point well taken, Tom. <laughs> we find Jesus retreating and withdrawing often uh, for prayer and for rest and, um, and time with the disciples. And I have, I have always struggled taking time off. And part of it is, is I, I've got some workaholic tendencies and I adopt more than probably I should. You? Uh, yeah. No. It's this shocker, right? <laughs> um, but part of that comes from where I have um, received validation mm. and where I get my kudos. Oh, Don, you do so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I keep patting. <laughs> um, but, but it really does. And so that's, for me, it's a deeper spiritual issue that I need to address with Father mm. to understand that my validation doesn't come from what I accomplish or what I do. It really comes in that relationship. David, you said it earlier, abiding. Um, that's that's really what He's asked me to do. Mm -hmm. And if I would if I would just focus more on that and not worry so much about um, what I need to get done. Um, I'd be better off. Well, I think most of us are task oriented. And when it comes down to it, we feel good about things that we have accomplished. Uh, but, you know, God's call to us is not as much to do as it is to be. And um, and that being is abiding in Christ. And that's, I think the Sabbath actually helps us to keep that in focus. And then, of course, you know, daily time with God, I think, is also a reset uh, it, it helps get that perspective that we need for the calling that God has given to us. So uh, those things, I think, helped me to become more resilient as a pastor. Um, and so I, I recommend them. Do you, I have a question. Uh, David, do you find, I think most people would assume that pastors don't struggle at all to cultivate their personal relationship with God. Do you, do you find that that's true or do you find that pastors 
often struggle to to stay in kind of a vital relationship with God? Uh, I have found it very rare that pastors don't struggle with that. I think mm. pastors struggle a lot with that because of the demands of of our role and our responsibilities. Um, and it can become easy for us to just assume, oh, listen, I'm teaching and preaching the word every week and, right. uh, you know, I'm in the word. So it's going to be, you know, I'm I'm good. Um, and they don't recognize that they have a personal need to connect with the father every right. day. Um, and to to be in the word for the sake of their own personal growth, not nece- necessarily for the sake of teaching and preaching. Not that not that it's wrong to do so, or you know that 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 what you experience in your personal time with God is not going to come out in some way. Right. But you've got to keep your own uh, spirit uh, just united and, and closely linked to the Father. Yeah, I think that we're gonna we're gonna devote the next episode of this podcast to cultivating that personal relationship outside of of the f- workflow and i feel like that like from my own personal experience and from what you're saying and the fact that don put it on the list i think i think we're all on the same page of how important that is as a as a starting place absolutely um because i i've heard of way too many guys who who have said that their preparation time is their quiet time mm. and you know that's Again, it's not it's not what God had in mind uh, when He has us sit at His feet, yeah. right? It's 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 more of a more of a Mary trying to work work her way, right? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think what happens is if you have that personal time with God, that enhances the study time that you have towards your your responsibilities. And um, and it's that it's it deepens it in a way that is not possible if that's if the only time you're in the word is is studying for teaching or preaching. That's good. One of, one of the things you said earlier, I want to bounce back to, and you talked about um, the guy willing to burn out uh, for God, and then then the idea of I've done everything that I can do, right. Um, when I was in seminary, Michelle and I uh, knew a couple uh, that left to go serve a church, and then the next semester they were back. And their comment was, we did everything that we possibly could. And as we listened, they hadn't even unpacked their boxes. <laughs> so there, there, there was no way to accomplish everything that they could. How, how again, do you help a pastor... Um, who's struggling with, am I at the end of my time at my church to really determine, is is this something that God's leading them towards, or is this just that unrest and maybe that um, that uh, frustration of uh, the challenge of leading coming through? Well, I, I would go back to that question that uh, my friend Jeff Orge raised, and that is, not the question of have you done everything? Uh, do you feel like that that God is through with you there? You've done everything that needed to be done, or is the question more? God, have you taught me everything? Have I learned what you wanted me to learn through this experience? Um, and I think restlessness in ministry is something that we all wrestle with. Uh, it's something that um, you know the devil sometimes will use uh, to uh, to get us to give up or too early. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, we we really do have to become 
uh, very closely aligned with the Father to make sure that we're not giving up or giving in uh, to either external pressures or discouragement, because that's that's just really of the devil. Good, good. Well, David, thanks for your time today. We appreciate hey. you being a part. Thank you guys for allowing me to be a part of this, and I'm uh, going to be uh, listening and and uh, just rooting for you guys for this uh, podcast to, to just uh, take off. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Well, you can find out more about David and the work of Arizona Mission Network of Southern Baptists at their website, azsbc.org. And uh, join Tom and I next week as we open up this new conversation. About keeping your relationship with God real and and vital in your life. And don't forget to send us your favorite life hack. Um, and we'll find a way to send you something super important in return. You can send that to lifehacksforpastors at gmail.com. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Life Hacks for Pastors. Today, Don and Tom had the opportunity to talk about the importance of resilience for pastors and include David Johnson in the discussion. If you have a life hack that you would like to share or a story about the importance of resilience in your life, send those to lifehacksforpastors at gmail.com. Life Hacks for Pastors is published each Monday, and we invite you to join us next week as Don and Tom begin to talk about how keeping our relationship with God real helps us in being resilient.